You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Football people who like football. Here come two words for you. Purple Live. This is Purple Live with Matthew Collar. All right, it is the Purple Live show. Matthew Collar along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And here's what I want from you folks listening. We want your bi-week hot takes. We have a lot to get to. We talked with Rick Spielman today, and the locker room was open. Mike Zimmer talked yesterday. So there's a lot going on. We want to assess where this team stands and and what to look forward to after the bye week. But for you guys, bring the hot takes. What do you got? I mean, is this team a Super Bowl team? Do you believe in Kirk Cousins? Do you not? Do you think Marcus Sherrills will punt return for a touchdown? Whatever you've got. Hot takes. 651 646-8255, 651-646-8255. 646-8255, 651-646-8255, bring them to us. At 6.30, we will hear from Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus, who is going to give us a numbers-based assessment of how good this Minnesota Vikings team is. But let's start here, Courtney. Uh, GM Rick Spielman talked today for over a half an hour with the media. Your biggest takeaway what was at the top of your notebook list of things to write about and think about that the general manager had to say well in his assessment of Kirk Cousins one of the first things he mentioned was the six or seven different offensive line combinations that Kirk has had to play behind this year and that is a reflection of the Vikings draft strategy and what they chose not to do in addressing the need early on at the 30th pick in the first round But he also, behind that, I mean, he's talking about these incredible throws Kirk makes and his play under pressure. Um, It's praising the quarterback that you are really hedging your career on right now, signing him for $84 million. And yes, he's performing very well, but the situation the Vikings have put him in, he's you know kind of exceeded their expectations, just given that they're kind of making him play with one hand behind his back, given what's in front of him with the protections in the offensive line. So that's an interesting topic to me. Because... I just, just I was just surprised that he would go there because mm-hmm. the, the offensive line comment was unprompted. Well, th- with Cousins, we've seen this from both Mike Zimmer and from Rick Spielman, where I don't think Cousins is getting any criticism this year. I mean, next year, maybe, where he's been here for a season and all that. But there was a lot of, well, he's had a lot of offensive line combinations, and he's had to learn a new offense, I believe, came up as well. And the overall assessment was phenomenal. So do we agree with phenomenal for the assessment of Kirk Cousins? No. I think that there have been phenomenal throws and there have been phenomenal instances of quarterback play and things that you might not have seen before. And then you realize, yes, this is an upgrade at the position. Whole body of work, though, I don't think that's I think that's way too much hyperbole, just in the sense it's been nine games and you're five, three and one right now. Even Kirk says he he wishes they weren't five, three and one. He didn't expect them to be five, three and one at this point, but it is better than three, five and one. Um I think that just taking a look at this in a vacuum, 
Kirk said this exceeded his expectations for where he thought he would be at and just kind of the whole, you know, the whole situation here in Minnesota. But there's still so much unknown. So that's why I would kind of pause there and not go with phenomenal, the P word yet, um, just because it just seems a little bit too reactionary to a sample size. We just don't know. So thesaurus.com comes up with these other words that also mean phenomenal. See if you agree with any for Kirk. Extraordinary. No. It's no. extraordinary. I'm looking at whole body of work. Okay. And I'm still thinking of fumbles and some situational football things that even Kirk addressed in his press conference earlier this afternoon that he wants to work on. How about fantastic, marvelous, miraculous, outstanding, remarkable, sensational? No? No, not any of those? Yeah, I just, I, I think anything along the line, I mean, that to me is already wrapping it up in a bow and saying this year was a complete success. And I don't know, you know, the margin of success and where it takes this team. I still think this is very much a playoff team. I've said that. But I don't think you can assess it right now and say he's been phenomenal if you're looking at this objectively and not looking at it at it as, hey, this is a free agency move that I made that this will, you know, eventually my career may be decided by this move. Yeah, I'm not surprised that Rick Spielman would call it phenomenal. No, of course not. That's, I mean... What is he going to say? Yeah, he sucks. He's been terrible. Because that's that's a lie. That's if he says it. I mean, if you go to the other side of the spectrum and mm-hmm. say we need more out of him, he's been really, really good in a lot of situations. But I still think the ups and downs and what are causing the downs for him, I do agree that it is probably a safe way for them to basically kind of admit fault without saying, hey, we should have drafted an offensive lineman by saying there's been a lot of injuries and we've had young players. I think that what Rick Spielman said about coaching and getting younger guys ready to play at the speed at which you need to play and playing mistake-free and adjusting things on the fly for these guys where they might be overmatched, he's pointing to Brian O'Neill very much so in that context. And Brian O'Neill has played tremendously well given the circumstances, but it's still not the offensive line that you'd expected for your $84 million quarterback. So let's pick out maybe the right words to describe how what we think of Kirk Cousins' first nine games. Uh, let me just give you some numbers here. He currently has the highest quarterback rating of his career, 102.2. But quarterback rating is uh, kind of a questionable stat at times because it's jacked up by completion percentage, and this year is his highest completion percentage, but also his lowest yards per completion. So he's got the most short passes in the NFL. The, the, the stat that pretty consistently tells the story is adjusted net yards per attempt, which I know not everyone uses all the time, but this would go under of his four starting seasons, third out of four, the 2015, 2016, he was better than he has been so far this year, but uh, he was better. He's better this year than he was last year, which I think was not a great season for Kirk Cousins overall. I think the way that I would put it is exactly who we thought he was going to be, that it wasn't going to be perfect, and there were going to be some times where he was frustrating, and situational football is something he talked about a lot, and turnovers is something that we have beaten over the head, uh, but he's averaging almost 300 yards a game. His QBR, which takes into effect all the different situational things, is pretty solid. Uh, solid is probably where you end up yeah. putting him. Solid maybe, but occasionally frustrating and also scares you well, at times. We expected that this would be a quarterback you bring in who doesn't have to be perfect, who doesn't need to win you 
a handful of games. I mean, yes, come through in clutch moments. Make the throws that you make to send this team to an overtime game in Green Bay. Tight window throws. Throws that Case Keenum just couldn't consistently make. Do those things. Have the accuracy. Have the arm strength. The thing that you've been lauded for your entire career. But we were also expecting that he would have a running game to take the pressure off of him. That he would have Dalvin Cook be able to set him up to do what he does best in the play-action game. And that just has not been the case this season. Maybe it will be in the last seven games of the year once a healthy Dalvin Cook continues to trend upwards. But I still think the glaring issue here is the offensive line. How you know, Depending upon when you get Tom Compton back and what this unit looks like going forward, can it really be that much better than it is right now? Depending on when you get Tom Compton back was a sentence I'm sure they didn't want to say sure. <laughs> at the beginning of the year, now being on their third guard. I actually don't even think Danny Isadora was, I think he was pretty good, all things considered. I mean, I'm looking at a much different, through a much different lens now, realizing, okay, well, what you would say is bad offensive line play might be above average for certain players, you know, who are having to rotate around. Brian O'Neill, Danny Isadora. There's definitely also like what we just saw against the Lions defense that has no teeth whatsoever. Get it? Yeah, like, I did get that. Doesn't have a whole lot of roar. Nashers. Growl. Um Is that a word? It's a it's a extremely bad Detroit Lions defense that has no one that scares you on the defensive line. And I wasn't surprised to see that they didn't pressure Kirk Cousins much and that Brian O'Neill played pretty well. Against the Saints, it was quite a different result up front. They were pressuring Kirk Cousins regularly. The Vikings did not have a super effective running game against New Orleans because they have a good defensive line, and that's what it's really dependent on. So that's why when we go through how good Cousins is, how good the offensive line is, how they can hold up, I want to weigh the games against the good teams more. Mm -hmm. And so a game against New Orleans and Los Angeles where they struggled on the offensive line, I think that tells us what this could look like as we go down the stretch, especially now that the New England Patriots are all of a sudden pressuring quarterbacks, which, I mean, it's not that they haven't ever done that, but to do it the way they did against Rodgers, usually his offensive line holds up pretty well. I thought that was really impressive for the Patriots, and the Vikings will run into them soon. Uh, What else... On the Rick Spielman list, did you have aside from his assessment of Kirk Cousins, which we're, we're gonna we're gonna go from a, a notch down from phenomenal to <laughs> solid, solid. I think solid's a solid. good word, there. as good as we expected. Yes. Um, what Rick was saying about Mike Zimmer's defense and the adjustments, and this has kind of been the topic of the week that he, you know, Zimmer finally came out and said, okay, the reason we were struggling in weeks one through four is because. We had to make adjustments based on the offenses we were seeing, had already seen our stuff, and had figured it out, essentially. And that was a very different tone coming out of that Los Angeles game of it's not a time for woe is me. And, you know, no, of course they haven't figured out our defense yet, even though that was still going back to the Eagles game in January. Um, that was a concern, like. Taking a look at what the Eagles did, gashing them in the areas that they were vulnerable in such a way that was so glaring. You've had eight months then at that point, and a lot of teams watched that tape and prepared for you that way. To to see what Rick Spielman said um, and just kind of how he views Mike Zimmer's defense and the adjustments made to go from giving up 381.5 yards and 27.5 points per game in weeks one through four to dropping that number to 274.8 yards and 18.8 points allowed per game in weeks five through nine. 
I think that speaks to the bigger picture here that the defense is what's going to get you, as you said, that's what's going to keep you in games. I mean, this stretch coming up, Rick Spielman said, called it critical with the Green Bay, with the Chicago game on the road, Sunday night football, and then another Sunday night football game at home against the Packers. I think you're looking at your defense now that it finally has its footing comfortably, and we've seen enough of it over the last few weeks to know that, yes, you're, you can say the defense is back. That's fair. Um, but the adjustments made, I think, if those weren't, this would be probably a lost season. So two things come to mind for me on that, which is, one, you're right that if they had not made those adjustments after the Rams game, it would have been good night Vikings. Uh, if they had lost some of these games, if they had lost in New York, or if they had lost this game to the Lions, I mean, they would have been in really, really tough shape. And they kept the door open against Detroit, probably more so than was comfortable at the end of the game. I think that they should have, the third quarter lull that Mike Zimmer talked about, um, that ended in the drop pass by Aldrick Robinson and then you know the quick three and out, the next drive. I mean, that's stuff that has to get fixed because you have to put teams away, especially you know, teams like the Jets and, and, and the Detroit and you know even some of it, keeping it kind of close there in the first half against the Cardinals. Um, that's, that shouldn't happen with this team and this high-powered of an offense and this good of a defense. I mean, granted, the defense has been able to hold and get the offense back out there, but I still think that there are instances here where you're seeing much, uh, so much left out there. So that is point number two, that the defense will have to play like the 2017 defense for the rest of the year in order for them to win with Kirk Cousins. Because as good as he is at times, I think a, a, a pretty good snapshot of not how good a quarterback is. Sometimes we take a stat and we think, oh, that says how good the quarterback is. But Case Keenum's a great example of a guy who actually wasn't that good but had a really good year. But a nice snapshot of how close a quarterback has gotten his team to winning this year with his performance is the ESPN stat QBR. And Kirk Cousins is 12th in the NFL in that stat, which I I think is is a good look at that, where he has made throws to get them ahead and has been good at times. But it's been very much like... Case Keenum, only the fumbles have been there and some of the interceptions, but the ill-advised throws and things that frustrate you, the long stretches of having no offense or not finishing games, I think Keenum was actually better at finishing games, but Cousins is around the 12th, 10th best quarterback in the league this year, which is what you expected, but that's not going to just win you games. And they don't finish games very well unless they get this running game really going and start doing that then they've got a better shot at it. But this is still a team that if it's going to win, it's going to. we're going to talk about them like the Ravens when they won, or we're going to talk about them like Denver when they won. Not that the quarterback play is going to be Trent Dilfer or Peyton Manning, but if they ultimately win, it will be like the Eli Manning Giants, where it starts with the defense and the quarterback just has to do his job, and not the other way around, like in New Orleans, where it starts with the quarterback and everyone else has to do their job. Yeah, but that's what you that's what you signed up for when you signed Kirk Cousins to a three-year deal, that you knew he could do just enough I mean, there's the argument. Is he a top 10 quarterback? Does this offense, does this franchise need a top 10 quarterback to win games and to get to a Super Bowl? I don't think it does. 
Uh, Case Keenum, by the way, 26th in QBR after last year he was in the top 10. Poor Case Keenum now playing for a team that doesn't offer him anywhere near the level of sport. So we're going to get into some of the other things Rick Spielman talked about today and our assessments heading into the bye week here, which feels very much like a midway point, even though that was last week. We are accepting any hot takes, hot predictions, if you want. What's going to happen in the second half? What's going to happen against the Bears? What type of numbers Kirk Cousins puts up whatever you've got 651-646-8255 we will also talk to Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus that coming up in about 15 minutes but when we come back Delvin Cook how does he change the look and of this offense and the overall outlook of the Minnesota Vikings for this year in a cryogenic chamber is what yes. we need. Um, so if anybody wants to jump in with a hot prediction for the second half or hot take, 651-646-8255. We will also take your Vikings questions if you want to pop on in, and we'll talk to Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus in about 10 minutes. But Delvin Cook, the 70-yard run was what really stood out, Courtney, but I went back and looked at the passing game. And I, th- I think that the Vikings set a nice tone off the beginning of the game. They didn't really do much with it the rest of the way with the Lions by having him and Latavius Murray at the same time, motioning him to the slot, and then throwing a screen pass that was ever so close. To breaking off. To breaking it. Yeah, it was really close. It was like if Kirk Cousins had made an accurate throw that didn't take him back. I'm, I'm sorry, that's just the truth. If he had made an accurate <laughs> throw that didn't take Cook back, maybe he's got that little edge and the guy doesn't catch him. And then he gets 20, 30, 40 yards on that play. But that's the weapon that he brings over Latavius Murray that will help this offense going forward. And with this team being fully healthy, I think it's part of the bigger picture, almost fully healthy. It's that they're they're really good when they have Everson Griffin back and when they have Delvin Cook in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, Delvin can change the look of this offense because they just haven't been able to... They've gotten burned by his injury so many times they haven't been able to game plan around him. And what was the first thing that John Filippo said when he comes in here and we talked to him in May? The offense will go as far as the running game will take it. And that, it's not your traditional 1960s have one lead running back and, and not get creative with it. I mean... He during OTAs, during training camp, they were lining Dalvin up in the slot regularly as a wide receiver and mm-hmm. seeing the look that that gives this offense, he's explosive. Um, I think that we're, we're starting to trend that way. And when Dalvin's healthy, I mean, you saw the two screen passes there in the game. I think he caught four passes total for 20 yards, um, all short passes, but the two screens specifically, we don't see a lot from the screen game. I yeah. asked Kirk Cousins about that after the game. Like, what what can Dalvin add? Because that's an element. And I talked to Latavius Murray about it because they can be on the field at the same time. Have Latavius in the backfield, put Dalvin in the slot, and then you get your screen game going because the offensive line is able to work. I mean, it's not nearly as athletic as last year's and being able to get to the second level regularly, but watch how Pat Elfline can take on that lead block and create the spacing that you need to get Dalvin going in the passing game. I think that that's something that they look to in the second half of the season and could really change the look of this offense to be able to move more efficiently, create that offensive efficiency, especially in key division games coming up in Chicago and in Green Bay, and specifically when we talk about the run game, Mike Zimmer made a point to talk about how the cold weather, they need to figure out what the heck they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You have a screen game going, you should be just fine with your running backs. It's uh, interesting to me that when Mike Zimmer has talked about their offense and then Rick Spielman today, 
he sort of they've sort of layered in that they want to be more balanced with the running game because they do. Le- I mean, Kirk Cousins leads the league in completions that they have thrown the ball a ton, even when they're up in some games, which I would imagine has irked the head coach because he wants them to pound the ball, he wants them to kill the clock. But it, it just is interesting to me that there have been these little comments about, well, we want to run more on second down. We want to be more balanced. And you wonder if there's a little bit of headbutting about John Filippo wanting to throw the ball all the time and them wanting to have a little more of a running game because last year they were up in a lot of games and they ran a lot. I think it's circumstances have dictated why they've decided not to, but I mean, Cook changes everything, though. I mean, the fact that you can get a whole drive off of just one play because the guy's running 22 miles an hour, it's a completely... I think I don't think that it's crazy to say it's a, with Everson also in this conversation, with Everson and Cook. It's a different team. It's it's just a much more dangerous team, and when you game plan against them, it's way different because instead of game planning against the ground and pound Latavius Murray, it's now game plan against one of the most dynamic players. And then, you know, the other thing, Courtney, is those third downs where the Jets double teamed both uh, wide receivers. You can't do that when Delvin Cook is there because he might run a route down the field. No, because there's those are your two best playmakers. And when you're having your tight end, you know, they're not able to use the tight ends the way that Filippo probably anticipated they that he wanted to uh, just with Kyle Rudolph and David Morgan and Tyler Conklin and a lot of blocking assignments. So it does create a very one dimensional look when Dalvin Cook is not in there. And I just think that Latavius Murray is good for what he's good at. I mean, he is a powerful running back. That's why they put him in in the goal line situation. Um, that's the best that you're going to get. That's, I think, his best asset. And I think that there's reason to believe that you know he will continue to be that goal line back when Dalvin Cook is fully healthy. But to your point, you have a whole nother wrinkle there when Dalvin Cook is able to catch passes out of the backfield to help, you know, pick up runs on first and second down, be able to generate some offense there. So you're setting up play action so much more effectively than you did in that you did in the first nine games of the season when he was so up and down. Um, I keep going back to the offensive line here. I think they finally figured out what works. This combination here with keeping Rashad Hill as your swing tackle, Rashad was not great. I mean, he was serviceable at times. He looked okay. What was it? The um, the Arizona game, maybe? Jets game, I thought he Jets played Jets game. Well. Um, that's the best you're going to get. And he was never supposed to be in this situation. And, I mean, neither is Brian O'Neill, but I think Brian O'Neill starting right now at right tackle is probably a much safer bet. The offensive line is going to be the conversation point throughout the season. It's shaky at best, inconsistent, better. But this is a much better unit that's going to be able to create a more effective run game going forward. What do the numbers say about how the Minnesota Vikings stack up against the rest of the league at their bye week? We will talk with Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus when we come back. In a high school basketball game. Uh, as Kim Kardashian's junior. husband. Ex-husband. Yeah, so that, that's the one I always use with my wife's friends. Okay, that's pretty good. And and with your wife's friends, do you have to say Kim Kardashian's ex-husband, or do they know Chris Humphreys? Uh, I do have to qualify, I think. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I haven't even thought about this even for myself, or like who the biggest celebrity. I interviewed Wayne Gretzky once on the radio, but I think I want to use that anyway, because um, it's Wayne Gretzky. But uh, uh, That's better than anything I have, I think. I mean, the great one. Uh, not too many people are called the great one. In fact, just only him. Uh, so, Eric... Uh, this Vikings team, 
as you look at them against some of the better teams, they did not win, the Rams and the Saints, but against teams that are clearly below them, the Lions, the Cardinals, and the Jets, they've taken care of business lately. How are we to assess the overall strength of the Minnesota Vikings squad at the moment? I, you know, that's a great question because I think even when you look at like their win against the Eagles, I think at the time most of us thought it was pretty impressive. But as the season has sort of progressed, it looks like the Eagles are far more into that purgatory group as well. Um, when I look at the NFL right now, I think I see probably four definitively elite teams in New Orleans, New England, Los Angeles Rams, and the Chiefs. Uh, and then I start to put Pittsburgh, our old friend Norv Turner, and the Carolina Panthers and the Chargers into that conversation as well. I think the Vikings are just a tier below that. Um, however, you know, given their strength offensively with Thielen and Diggs, uh, you know, and the way that their defense played against the Lions, I think if that, if that could carry, uh, they, they still, I think, are in contention for uh, what all the Vikings fans want. The sack record that they set franchise record on Sunday with 10 and I think it was 8 of 10 of those came you know from four or fewer pass rushers um, that were sent in so I think that that's pretty remarkable I asked Mike Zimmer this yesterday and I'm curious to see what you think because he was you know he talks about what he looks for during a game where he's watching and he's watching the coverage and he was really complimentary of those being of you know the coverage sacks that they were able to generate what to you stands out about those, like most of those 10 sacks that they did get against the Lions and the way that they were able to continue to make Matthew Stafford hold the ball, take away the underneath routes, which I don't even think he was looking for in the first place. Um, what stood out about that? Yeah, the craziest stat that I saw this week was the fact that Matthew Stafford was pressured on quote, only 19 of his dropbacks. And of those 19, 10 resulted in sacks. And I think that that, when you think about coverage, that's exactly sort of that, – that plays into that exactly, right? We look at the other side of the coin, like Kirk Cousins has tr- played terrifically under pressure so far this year, and the reason is is when he's under pressure, he can sort of close his eyes and throw the ball in the general direction of Thielen or Diggs, and good things happen. Stafford not necessarily afforded that opportunity on Sunday because you saw, I think, pretty good coverage, and you did see like a lot of pressure simply – engulfed him so quickly, but I think it was a total team effort defensively to rack up those 10 sacks. And maybe the best player in, I don't want to go completely the entire NFL, but I'd put him in the top five for beating the Vikings via the quick pass, Golden Tate, now plays for another team. So right before, it's like this Viking killer that you have, right before that game, you decide to trade him away. Uh, How are we to assess the NFC North, Eric? Because the Lions, the moment they traded away Golden Tate, and then the moment their coach decided to yell at a reporter for his posture. I think you knew that it was over. Like they weren't, at that moment, they weren't winning that game. Like if you're a gambling person, okay, their coach is yelling at reporters for how they're sitting. Like this, this game is over. Um, that let's just slide them to the side. But Packers, Bears are coming up here for the Vikings. Where do we sit with the NFC North? Yeah, so that is funny. And, and I think that if you look at the betting markets and you look at you know our simulations and everything, I think most folks would have the Vikings at somewhere around a 50 to 55% chance of winning the NFC North. And I think that a, a lot plays into that. I think you know it's lower than people probably think because the Vikings, in our opinion, have a top 10 schedule coming up, whereas the Bears are sort of in a bottom 10 situation. Um, but I think the, the big thing here that keeps me from really buying into the Bears 
uh, is the fact that, you know, uh, Mitch Trubisky so far has simply not performed at a level that I think could go toe-to-toe with Kirk Cousins or in the event that Green Bay uh, makes an ascent, you know, Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, for me, if I'm if I'm looking at the most likely finish, it's probably going to be Minnesota, Chicago, Green Bay, and then as you guys said, Detroit. Um, but you know, Green Bay went through the difficult part of their schedule playing the Rams in New England on the road recently. So maybe they, you know, maybe they come up here, but uh, they're they're they seem a little bit beat up. So I do think it's a two team race, and we do get to see those two teams uh, next Sunday night. Taking a look at the next four games of the schedule, a bunch of them in prime time, the Sunday night football game in Chicago, the Sunday night football game here in Minneapolis against the Packers, and then they have the th- what the 3.30 game, America's game, whatever they call it, against the, the uh, New England, and then Seattle. To me, that Seattle game, and, and I know Matt and I have talked about this, that is the hardest one to predict. It's, yep. I mean, is that the same for you, too, when you look at that? Because obviously with their division stretch they have to win those games if they want to remain competitive i think you have to go 2 and 0 in this next stretch but that seattle game is so tricky to project just given their ups and downs this season first off that's a tough place to play second off i don't know what seattle team you're going to get well that's exactly it right cuz we you know seattle came into this year and we were all down on them i think and 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 there were a couple things that were predictable early they were not going to win in denver in the altitude Chicago is an up-and-coming team. But we've seen some interesting dynamics from Seattle. They go on the road against Detroit, you know, West Coast team traveling East Coast, losing, the, or losing those two hours, and they win, and they win convincingly. Then they go back home and kind of lay an egg against the Los Angeles Chargers, a team that I think was to be had, in my opinion, there. So, I don't know. I think Seattle's a far better team than people were giving them credit for coming into the year, and they have a, a decided advantage both not only at quarterback, and this is even funny saying out loud, but in the offensive line as well um, <laughs> against against the Vikings. Um, and, and so to me, that's what makes that game at best, if you're a Vikings fan, if you're handicapping that game, probably a pick em. Um, But I would even lean a little bit towards Seattle. I think we're going to find out a lot about the Vikings in the next three weeks, so maybe it crystallizes by then. But in, in my opinion, if you're going through the Vikings schedule and you know, putting down L's and W's, that one, I don't know what, I don't know what I'd put, to be honest. So, Eric, I wrote about, and you mentioned uh, the offensive line there for Seattle, and they're going to face some decent offensive lines coming up. I wrote about at 1500ESPN.com, the website where you can go and find out about the Vikings. The great website. Yeah, thank you. Um, So, uh, just the Vikings defensive line rotation, that they kind of fell backwards into it because Seattle did a weird thing and gave the Vikings Tom Johnson for free. Um, and then now Steven Weatherly and his rise, but with Everson Griffin back, how do you quantify that impact? If he is going to play like he did on Sunday, which was dominant. I mean, I, I think it's one of the better groups in the league, especially, I mean, you, you mentioned Shel- you know, Sheldon Richardson as well. He has 10 quarterback hits so far, uh, which is the be- best on the Vikings by a mile, it looks like he's getting unlucky in terms of sacks again. So maybe he, he might even be a, a possibility to, for an extension if he doesn't have the sack numbers to get the big contract. But, you know, obviously him on the inside, Tom Johnson's a player who's been great for the Vikings since he got there in 2014, and he continued that this week. Uh, I like Stephen Weatherly. I think he's a great story, you know, as a seventh-round pick, I believe, in 2016. So they're deeper than anybody and if Griffin plays at his potential, I think that they're high end with, with Daniel Hunter, obviously, is, is about as good as anybody else's. So uh, it's come at a good time, too, because they've had a lot of injuries in the secondary. Xavier Rhodes does not look like himself. So 
uh, they, they do seem to be elevating themselves right when the Vikings need them. Okay, so you brought up Norv Turner earlier, and I've got to ask, given the success that Cam Newton has had Coordinator this of the season, year. Coordinator of the year. What is going on there that didn't unfold <laughs> here two years ago? You, you know, that it's weird because you watch the games, and we actually we do this coaching metric where we look at the grades and we say, how would you expect this team to do, and then how do they end up doing? And we kind of attribute that to coaching. And Norv is punching above his weight class this year, unlike almost any other coordinator in the league. So it's, it's both true to the eyes and true to the numbers. So I think that the difficult thing is, and their offensive line, that Khalil's not playing. I think um, their right tackle is injured. I'm forgetting his name. Um, so it's not like they're strong up front either. They lost Norwell in free agency. But I think it's Cam's kind of dynamic. Cam is that type of downfield thrower that I think, you know, they wanted Bradford to be. And he simply, he had the arm for it. He just simply didn't have the mentality for it. And then I also think that Newton is just uh, quite a bit tougher, right? He just takes more of those hits. And they are the best team in the NFL in terms of early down run success. And when you do that, you put a quarterback like Cam Newton in second and third and manageable. You avoid third down altogether many times. And in those cases, I think that an offense can really, really succeed. And you're seeing wide-open receivers all over the place, and they got a great stable of guys, including Jarius Wright, who I think the Vikings probably want back. Uh, Eric, Eric Eager for Pro Football Focus. Um, before we let you go, earlier we were giving the hottest takes we could possibly think of. Tell him about mine. I don't want to. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> so, well, Courtney's was that the Seattle Seahawks will eventually trade Russell Wilson. No, that they should have traded him at the deadline because oh, they're right, wasting they the fi- they're wasting the prime of his career. Okay, so that was hers. Mine was that is, that's, that's right blazing. There. So mine was that the Chargers are the best team in football, um, which is also I think is pretty hot too. But what is yours? Give us your the hottest take in all of the NFL that you can possibly come up with right now at this moment? I like where your head's at on the Chargers, by the way. Um, Here's mine, and I think it's tangential to the the Chargers one. I think the Atlanta Falcons are a real contender in the NFC. Okay, I agree with that. Yeah, that's... That's that, not flaming. We were looking for, like, arson-level hot take. Yeah, that's a... The, the that's Falcons not bus fire. one in four. Okay, but yeah, but you, but you didn't say it when they were one and four. See, if you said yeah. it when they were one and four, Vikings were one, two, okay. and one, right. Eric. Uh, I'm and look sorry. at them now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, here's one, and I, and this is actually being printed on ProFootballFocus.com tomorrow as an article. Uh, so it's already been written up. Great website. The most valuable running back in the NFL is James White. Oh, I okay. like it. That's a good I one. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Not Cordero Patterson out of the backfield, huh? Uh. Cordero Patterson running all over the Packers on Sunday night probably made a lot of Vikings fans really unhappy. Yeah, I think so. But uh, it made me happy because I wrote about it two years ago. So anyway, uh, Eric, thank you for dropping by and providing us with your blazing hot take. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you for your help. Yeah, thanks for having me. Take care. Uh, Eric Eager there, Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at at PFF underscore Eric. He is a part of the underscore nation of people who made their Twitters a really long time ago. And so you followed him there. And we are going to come back with Manny's questions for the week, the around the NFL version, because there's no Vikings game. I think uh, Filippo's play calling has been pretty flat. And I was really glad to see last week that we got to cut back the, the little bit of diversity in the play calling, the swing passes that were going on. I like to see that. 
But where I have the most anxiety is still from two years ago, or three years ago, I think it was two years ago, the Vikings had a great start to their season. They hit their bye week, and now, then after that bye week, they were totally flat. It was almost like they took a rest, they all totally forgot about football, and they like they had to start the whole season over. Hmm. Are we going to be in a situation like that again? We had this great game right before bye week, and now we're flat again. What do you guys think? Thanks well, for the call, Jen. Thank you. Yeah, I, the offensive line was a much, much, much bigger problem in 2016 because of losing both tackles and the timing of when that happened. Um, they had, what, like 27 different offensive line combinations at yeah. some point that they had to work with. Um, Jake I, Long was playing. Yeah, like, I mean, that to games. me that to me was just, that was the crux of the whole thing. And I also think that was a week week six bye. They started out 5-0 and and then they slid to 8-8. Eight and eight. I honestly do think where the bye happens, given the injuries that the guys that they've had for the last four weeks, yeah. now they come back in week 11 and they're a lot healthier than they were. I mean, that sustainability factor I don't think can be overlooked. So the, yeah, that's a difference is that the offensive line, like this offensive line isn't good. That offensive line was yeah, TJ a Clemens train wreck. Right? I mean, it was like an untenable situation. Getting healthier as a team now, as opposed to having the injuries pile up. I think that's a difference, but it's also reasonable to look at this team and just not trust them. And just think about the second half schedule, which Eric Eager said is top 10 in the NFL in terms of difficulty, and wonder if they have another Bills loss in them. I mean, when they face Miami, or if they're going to be able to stand up to some of the best quarterbacks because so far they haven't proven that they can. They've beaten the teams they were supposed to beat, but they didn't beat the two that are the top teams in the NFC. So I think that your anxiety, Chad, is totally reasonable. Um, but I also think that there isn't quite the same parallel as 2016 because of the offensive line. Uh, let's take uh, Wade here in uh, White Bear Lake. What's up, Wade? Hi, thanks for taking the call. Um, I noticed that you had written about Zimmer and his uh, adaptability here over the last few games with the defense. I was wondering your thoughts on what uh, Filippo can do to try to limit some of Cousins' turnovers. I know it's not the same thing exactly, but uh, obviously Cousins has had these issues for quite some time, and he hasn't been able to address, address them. So what are your thoughts on what the coaching staff can do to help him with that? That's a great question, Wade. Thank you. Uh, is there an answer, Courtney? I mean, I think the screen game is the answer. I Wade wrote about didn't that ask too. my opinion. He asked your opinion. Oh, so I'm a, okay. This is all, all you, right. bro. Let's get all offended. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, that's that's my response. Screen is, game? I look at quick, last year. Quick outs? Yeah, the, the screen game with Case Keenum was just phenomenal last year, and it has not been used anywhere near as much. No, and I think that's because... You had Jarek McKinnon was very much a huge part of that, and it's just not part of Latavius Murray's repertoire. Mm-hmm. Um, the offensive line was better to affect the screen game than I think this one has shown so far. But now that you have a better combination and you know more athletic, ta- you have a good combination in your tackles right now with athletic presence where. Brian O'Neill can drive a guy to the second level. We mm-hmm. have no qualm about that. So I think that that will be really big going forward. Um, he's also been really good about max protecting. I think that that's kind of the unsexy thing to do in the in today's NFL of just having really like you know two two inline tight ends and seven blockers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important, and I think that that's something that you're going to continue to see because Cousins really needs all the time he can get back there. All right, Manny. What do you got for our... Oh, wait, uh, I have my hot take. Oh, okay, give us your hot take that someone sent you. uh, Someone sent me this Matt Johnson at JMJIV on 
Twitter, thank you for sending this. Hey, CC, my hot take isn't a hot take. Yes, it is. Uh, but we knew going in, it would take time for this offense to ge- to gel, not just with Kirk, but with JDF calling plays for a real offense, O-line, etc. I think if the Vikes stay healthy, it'll come in December. If we're in the hunt, we'll be the most dangerous team outside of Philly since the East is falling apart nicely to allow them back into the mix. Okay. It's a hot take. It's a hot take. I don't think that the Vikings are ever going to be the most dangerous team I don't in the either, NFL. But it's no. still a hot take. Um we, just, a- we as asked long for as the Rams. Yeah, as long as the Rams and the Saints are around. But I also think watch out for Atlanta. Uh all right, Manny, what do you got? All right. a uh, couple of league wide related questions uh here for you. Who will be the next we've already seen Hugh Jackson lose his job. Who will be the next Ooh, NFL coach to lose their job? M- McCarthy. You think they're actually going to do it? Yes. Yes. He's going to Cleveland next year. Think so? Yeah. Man. Yes. That was my write that down on Mackie and Judd was that McCarthy was going to coach the Browns next year. I mean, I think that that's the most obvious one because Lincoln Riley's going to go to Dallas and that that leaves, uh, I mean, that leaves Tampa wide open. Dirk Cutter's gone. Uh, Vance Joseph. Okay. Denver. See ya. And uh, Doug Marone. I think Doug Marone, if they fall apart the whole... They've lost four in a row. It's your favorite they, guy, Doug Marone. It would not... I mean, <laughs> least favorite guy ever because I think he can't handle anything. And I saw it happen once, and he's, it's happening again, that when things com, you know, sort of combine to be problems with him, he makes it twice as bad, and they lose four in a row. And that's what Jacksonville has done. They got their game flexed out of primetime because Jacksonville is now a bad football team. It, it happened to Jack Del Rio after a great season. The next year he was out. I think that that is Doug Marone now. And that locker room is a mess down there in Jacksonville. Uh, who has done... The best coaching job, can, you can consider circumstances here as well, uh, so far this season. What do you got? I don't know why. My head's on Pat Shermer right now, and that's just honestly more of a joke. Like, oh, okay. you know? I was going to say, the, he said best, I think. Manny usually speaks pretty clearly. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, it's the circumstances of what. It, who didn't predict that that would be a train wreck? Yeah, and that I would know. be the worst possible person to have in that job. Yeah. Not that he's a bad coach, just personality wise. I don't think he can handle that. Um, I think Matt Nagy has done a pretty good job yeah. given the circumstances. I, I, many people predicted that Trubisky would never be a franchise quarterback. The writing was on the wall long before. He was the head coach down there, and I think that defensively and being able to get Chicago to where they're at right now, where they're a legitimate contender at this point, I kind of cringe saying that, but um, to, for in the NFC North, I think that that's pretty pretty worthy of uh, of that statement. I will go Bill O'Brien, Manny, a right. guy who was uh, 0-3, six wins in a row. I think that's, uh, that's a great coach job right there with a team that has zero offensive line, a defense that isn't as good as it's been in the past. That's who I'm going to go with. And I, I, I love that quarterback. I'm rooting for that quarterback. Oh, I know. I, I feel the same way about Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Uh, who is, last one, who is your league MVP at the, I guess we're kind of at the midway point, but it's sort of a little bit past the midway point. Hmm. Drew Brees. Yeah, I was thinking maybe Jared Goff, but Drew Brees beat him head to head. I think it's hard that was not a, to pick that was a deciding one for me. And I mean, just seeing what he did this year at 39 years old, he re-signs there on a two-year deal, and just watching the Saints offense go to a level that we thought they were really good last year and at an unattainable level. Watching what they're doing now is pretty impressive, and I think that. 
he still got the best years of his career. It seems like every time we talk about this guy being past his prime, he does something new, like set the all-time passing record. Um, I like what the Saints are doing. I think that they've gotten they've gotten another level of creative with what they're able to do with their running backs in the passing game, and, and it's only going to go up from here. I'm going to go with Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Mm. And I you got look, his name I right. I did you look up his, his middle name this time there instead of making That's it fair. up. Pat Mahomes has been the most fun player to watch in the entire NFL this year. Eight and one. Perfect situation for him with Andy Reid. He's just been awesome. So, I would have gone Khalil Mack had he stayed healthy. Yeah. Because he, he was tearing it apart. All right. Well, there's another Purple Live show. Subscribe to the Purple Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Thank you, Courtney, to Eric Eager as well, and Manny Hill for producing. And we will catch you next time on Purple Live. This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone.